it's interesting when you sort of get to Christmas, you get to the, well, does it work? Does it work? I said it would. Maybe not. Oh, well, never mind. What is Christmas about? And what do we mean by Christmas? And, and where do we go with Christmas? And it's easy to get to the, isn't Christmas nice? And isn't the world rubbish? And certainly I have found coming from Zimbabwe to the UK, what happened to Christmas? I mean, the British way of doing a midwinter festival is incredible. But where's Christmas? I mean, I'm getting better. I'm getting more acclimatized, I guess. But just that whole overload of frosty, the red-nosed mistletoe fairy. I mean, really, what is this about? It's, and just to get back to what is Christmas? Who is Christmas? What's it all about? So I thought it would be useful this morning to go back and let's look at the Christmas story. Let's look at the whole Christmas story. Let's look at Christmas story in context. And so, therefore, come on, phone, swivel. The big Christmas story. Now, that doesn't look anything like a manger or a star or a wise man or a sheep or a shepherd. It's the Christmas story. It's the story of Christ's love for us. And it begins right at the beginning. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. The same was in, God was with, Jesus was with God from the beginning. Nothing was made that he didn't make. Right from that very beginning, when God was thinking about creating the universe, was thinking about creating the earth and was thinking about you and me. Nothing was created that Jesus was not involved in the creation. When we think about Jesus coming to earth, that's when it starts, when the earth starts. Love came down at Christmas, yes, but love came down before that. Everything that we see from starlings to I've got to do my tropical heart thing. There's something so beautiful about an empty tree. Just that starkness of, it's like, well done, God. You make it pretty even without its clothes on. It's just stunning. The heart of God coming to us, his love for us, coming throughout. And so God came down in love and he made the earth. And as we read in Genesis, God saw all that he had made and it was very good. And then, unfortunately, mankind got involved and rebelled. And from there on, things didn't go so well. When mankind said, thank you for the garden, thank you for all you've given us, but we want to do it our way, and broke it. And from that point on, you go from a God saw it was very good to hardship, suffering, disease, death, Yes, we sing about it in the Christmas carols, looking back from this point and looking back even more so from the end of time that no more let sin and sorrows flow or thorns infest the ground. But those thorns are there. We do go through tough years. Well done, cuddly, charismatic people saying, oh, it's been a lovely year. There's been tough times. I mean, why did you go to Singapore? Just saying. Tough times happen. That is the world we live in because of the rebellion, because mankind was not content to walk with God. 
things happened. But God was not content to leave it like that. Right from the Garden of Eden, the promise was in place to say, there's a future coming. He will bruise the serpent's head. The Redeemer is coming. The suffering Savior will come and will heal. You move forward and you go through the whole story of the exile, other the exile, the exodus, coming out of Egypt. A case of, there is hope. There is a Redeemer. My people will be rescued. Obviously, at that point in time, we're talking about the people of Israel. I'm not even going to get into the whole issue of how the church and Israel relate, particularly in terms of world politics at the moment. This is a very complicated question, and we will have different opinions. Listening to something yesterday saying, you ask 10 Christians what the correct church stance is on Israel, there'll be 50 opinions. Because we don't know, we don't understand, but we do know that God is with us and God has called us out and has given us that hope right from then. He says to David, you will be king over my people, and by the way, your kingdom will last. Now, you've read the Bible. You know that some of David's descendants were complete rotters. They deserved to be smacked, and they were smacked. But God promised that his kingdom would never end, that there would be, the words of Isaiah, on the throne of David to order it and to establish it from this time forward, even forever. Because the zeal of the Lord of the hosts was on, was on that promise, and it was going to be fulfilled. That The promise to David that his kingdom would last was sure. How did that feel for the Israelites when they're being beaten up by the Sumerians by the, and by the Babylonians and by the Egyptians and by the, everybody they could think of when they are being held in captivity in Babylon? How does it feel when you're by the waters of Babylon there we sat down and wept when we remembered Zion? Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. How does it feel when the promise says, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you, on my throne, on the throne of David, there will always be a king. There will always be a Messiah. There will always be a hope. And that's when we come to Christmas as we know it. Because we come to that stage in a little village in Roman-occupied territory where an angel comes to a young girl and says, Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. And you will name him Jesus. And he will be great and we call the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. Remember, back then, thousands of years back, we told David that there was going to be a king on the throne. Your son, Mary. Your son. And he will reign forevermore. Did Mary have a clue what this meant? Mary took these things in and we're told that she harbored them in her heart. She thought about them and continually we get this feeling of Mary going, there's more here. I, I don't understand. It's going to be very interesting when we actually, I don't know what, how much we'll actually interact with some of the great saints who've gone ahead of us. But just to sort of, what sort of person was Mary? This time of year we get some weird images of Mary. By the way, has anybody ever, how often do you see pictures of, of Mary pregnant? There's no Christmas without a decidedly out of shape and potentially very ugly Mary. All of our pictures are beautiful and serene. With a one-year-old, one-day-old baby lying in a cattle's feeding trough. How serene do you look? Haggard is probably a better thought. 
But Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day walk on water? Did you know that he is the king of all creation? Mary, did you know what was coming down the track? Did you know what was being promised? This little boy, this little boy that you're holding. There's a lovely image in one of the newsboys' songs where they talk about coming to visit the major scene. And this little baby just reach, you know the way babies will reach up and grab onto anything? And just this feeling of the baby grabs onto the, the, the singer's finger and won't let go. Just this image of the king of all creation grabs a hold and won't let go. It, it's special to me that Mary, he will rule. He will have the throne of his father David and he will rule over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom will have no end. And Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child will be called the Son of God. For nothing is impossible with God. And Mary said, behold, the bond slave of the Lord. It may be done according to me, according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now, down the road, there was a happy carpenter who knew nothing about this little encounter with the angel. What was it like for Joseph? What was it like when Mary pops in and says, Joseph, I've got something to tell you. There's going to be a baby. You don't get that on the Christmas cards either. You don't see Joseph going off for a long walk in the countryside. <laughs> you don't see the doubts, the fears, the horrors. What is he thinking? His whole dream, his whole hope, his whole future. And she's pregnant. And he knows it's not his. What was he thinking? I find it interesting that Luke tells us about the angel visiting Mary and Matthew tells us about the angel visiting Joseph. Why the difference? Another whole story. But the birth of Jesus was as follows, according to Matthew, when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. She was found to be with a child. It sounds awfully clean and... And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man, not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. When he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. Angels speak for good morning. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bear a son. And you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. He told Mary that he would be the king who would reign to fulfill the Davidic promise that's coming right through that for all time he will be king. But because of the rebellion, there was sin in the world. Because of the rebellion, there was destruction, there was evil. Because of the rebellion, we are justifiably bound for hell. Joseph, you will call him Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. The two aspects of this little baby 
who can do nothing apart from lie helplessly in that cattle trough. He is the king of all kings and the savior for all of our needs, who will rescue us, who will redeem us. He has come to save his people from their sins. And this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken through the prophet, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and will bear a son, and they will call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel commanded and took Mary as his wife and kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son and she called his name Jesus. All those Old Testament prophets who had spoken about, Behold, the virgin will conceive and bear a son. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, you're not least among the princes of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will govern my people Israel. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father. All looking forward to this. Did they have any idea? Isaiah had some amazing visions of God. And so much of our prophecy leading towards Christmas at least by the time Handel got hold of it and put it into the Messiah, it comes out of Isaiah, a lot of it. Not all. I found a bit in Malachi I wasn't expecting this morning, actually, the whole thing of... Uh, no, I can't remember now. It's, 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 it's off, off topic anyway, but it's in there. I mean, Isaiah sees the Lord high and lifted up. His train fills the temple. Did he envisage Bethlehem on that first Christmas? Did he have any idea about Quirinius being the governor or Augustus being Caesar? He was living in a very different time. But the word of God came because God was continuous. We spoke already this morning about the fact that God's love is reliable, it's continuous and will work with us because God is. Way back with Moses when God says, I am. And he still am. And he always am, will be. And so the Lord came, born as a baby, to a virgin in a little village. He didn't come to be a baby. You will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people. Because of our sin, because of the destruction in the world, because of the evil in which we live, there was no way that we could receive everything he had intended for us. The only way that sin can be dealt with is by blood. And for that reason, he came to die. So it was 30 odd years later, after he'd done some amazing stuff on earth, given some amazing teaching which we are still living in, even in post-Christian Britain, so much of our law is based on the teachings which have come through from him. It does intrigue me sometimes, but it's good. But in the end, he came to die. And so it was that he, to use the words of the creed, suffered under Pontius Pilate, and he died. They nailed him to that cross, great agony which we deserved. That should have been us up, here, up there. But he died for us. And if we stop the story there, we'd say, it's tough. We missed out on the king forever. But thank you, Lord, 
Thank you, Lord, for, for salvation. Thank you, Lord, that because you died, we don't have to. Thank you, Lord, that we can accept that eternal life that you gave by taking away the eternal death that we deserve. But maybe the promise is true. Maybe having died for our sins, he is, you'll call his name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Maybe he is still called his name Jesus and he will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign forevermore. Maybe now that he's died, he'll reign forevermore. Maybe this is it. He's here with us. Everything's going to be great. Everything's going to be wonderful. And he left them. He died. He was buried. And having been buried, he rose and ascended to heaven and was gone. But Lord, we thought this was the time when you would restore the kingdom to Israel. Times are not for you to know. And so having come down to create the earth in love and in perfection. We then went into a season of horror and deprivation and the promise and the promise and the promise until he came. He came as our savior. He came to give us hope. And then he went away again. And we know it's not over. We know it's not over because there are so many of those promises that are just not right. We look around and we see that Yes, we know that he is king. Yes, we know that he is supreme. Yes, we know that he is, he is the ultimate hope. We know that there is ultimate righteousness as a result. And we know that the world is in pain. There is famine. There is suffering. There is war. There is death. There is deprivation. There are thousands upon thousands of people dying daily and to our minds unnecessarily. And so the promise and the waiting part two. And we live looking forward. Because we know that his word is true. Because we know that he didn't just come because it was fun. He, we know that he didn't just establish that beachhead ready for nothing. We know that he didn't just come, but, oh Lord, how long, oh Lord. That the God of love who created us in love and who came to us in love and who died for us in love he will come again. See, he's not just the king. He's the king who was and who is and who is to come. He is the king who will reign forevermore. And this time, when he comes, it's for keeps. That diagram is borrowed from Christopher Wright. A little bit of modification, but Christopher Wright's diagram, just giving credit where it's due, but that's the Christmas story. The Christmas story includes mangers and Mary and Joseph. Sheep and cattle, not so much. Doves in rafters, mice around the feet. They're lovely. The Christmas story also includes the horror. If you think of the wood of a manger, maybe think of the wood of a cross instead. If you think of the straw, think not of the husks out of the wheat, but think of the, of the bread of life. Think maybe of that wheat, that fell in, that wheat curl that fell into the ground and died, that it could rise again, that we could have eternal life. As we think of Christmas, let us accept the joy of the new birth. But let's look forward as well.
He loves us. He is the king. And he reigns. As we go into Christmas, there's only one thing which we can do in fairness, and that is to do it in absolute, sincere worship and homage. Christina Rossetti wrote some, forgive my 21st century modernist view on things, but some of her stuff is really fluffy. But then you get uh, a song like In the Deep Midwinter, which again makes no bunch of sense to me, but what can I give him, poor as I am? If I were a shepherd, I would bring a lamb. If I were a wise man, I would play my part. What can I give him? I would give my heart. He gave so much. He gave us this world. He gave us his life. He gave us hope. He gave us the promise. He gives us the promise of eternal life. He gives us the promise of eternity because he is the eternal king who will come again. And he will be with us. When John sees the revelation of the Son of Man coming in all of his glory, he sees it very clearly that the tabernacle of God, the dwelling place of God is with man and he will be with them. And they will be his people. And God himself will dwell with us and be our God. Come, let us adore him. He's done so much for us. The least we can do is love him. Can we sing that? Oh, come all you faithful. Just as a reminder of, yea, Lord, we greet thee. Born this happy morning. But Jesus, to thee be all glory given.